Hey guys, this is Mike with Sharing in the Disruption podcast, and I'm really excited to be starting this up. Um, hope to bring a lot of value to you, and we're going to be talking about how uh, technology is advancing and the effect it can have on you, your family, your finances, and even what it means to be human. Enjoy. Hey guys, this is Mike with Sharing in the Disruption podcast. This is another episode of Gas Station Economics. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about doing another podcast talking about all of the IPOs that have come up in recent uh, weeks and kind of checking up on some of them uh, to put things in perspective. Uh, this is the last day of September. And two IPOs, or two big IPOs, uh, came up today. Um, and that is Asana Software and Palantir Systems. And I'm excited about one of them. And I actually invested in another one that is more, um, I think it's a, a Chinese IPO, um, but it makes. It's popular in the Middle East and North Africa, and um, I'll, I'll get to them. Uh, so we'll ch we'll check in with some of the past ones too, um, starting kind of with like Snowflake and JFrog and some of those. Um, Unity. There's been a lot of IPOs lately, um, and we'll just kind of see how some of them are doing. And a lot of them I have gotten into, but um, like by gotten into meaning I dipped my toes into them uh, and just put in like a very small position. Um, just, just to pretty much almost remind myself that they exist. Uh, I'm a big believer in not in waiting a while. Uh, there's a lockup period that I've discussed before that happens after an IPO. Like usually um, investors with a formal IPO, there's a period where the initial investors can't, that invested privately, can't get out for a certain amount of time. And so the stock usually, it can have a big sell-off after a certain amount of time when investors can get out of them if they want to, to reach liquidity. And so that's not actually the case, in uh, my knowledge, with uh, direct listings, which is what Palantir and Asana is, uh, they weren't formal IPOs, so um, so there isn't really that lockup event. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so essentially, what I'm waiting for is more of a steadiness. Like when people get bored of it, I, like I still don't like getting in on that initial like momentum. Like I want to kind of see, like. Uh, from what I looked at Palantir already, it looked like they had a big spike this morning where if you got in, in like when they first opened, it looked like it spiked. And I actually was reading that uh, AOC is wants to investigate Palantir. And I'm not even personally wanting to invest in Palantir because I have some questions about their business model. And they also do a lot of, they're involved with ICE and surveillance um, and kind of big data that is a little troublesome to me uh, personally. But um, Asana looks very promising. I think they're up, but um, they, there can be a lot of volatility early on in an IPO, even if it's a direct listing. And I kind of like to see some of that settle out. Um, I'll probably do a little investment in like Asana tomorrow. Um, and I already did invest uh, in this other company that I'll discuss. So let's rewind the clock. And I'm actually going to pull up how a few of these stocks are doing that of these IPOs that came out. Um, so MarketWatch has a really good listing where you can see all of the different IPOs, um, like the IPO calendar. And that's a good thing to look at to see uh, who has, you can go, so there's three tabs when you go into MarketWatch, 
and you go to IPO calendar, you go to home tools and then IPO calendar. And right now I'm selected on recently priced. And that tells you a lot of stocks that have come public recently. that are recently priced. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, it also has a tab for upcoming IPOs. Um, and then it tells you like, uh, it, it'll tell you kind of the next few weeks what's in the pipeline. And then future IPOs is like further off. And the one I'm in biggest anticipation of that still hasn't come out is Airbnb. Um, I would really like to get into that. That's probably the one I'm most excited about. Uh, unfortunately, I think I'm probably not going to get in that at a good price. So if it doesn't jump a lot, in, like on the first day, I'm hoping there's kind of some dismal acceptance of it. Honestly, like when it first opens, because hotels in general aren't very good right now. But I think Airbnb is so different of a business model that I think they are getting a lot of benefit. But I'm, I'm hoping people don't think of that. Um, but I think it's been anticipated for a while. So I think it's really going to spike that first day. So I'm probably just going to put a tiny little position in just to be in it. And then wait till people get a little bored of it. Um, when I'm talking about boredom. Um, there's a few stocks that have, like I said, there's a lockup period and it's good to keep track of stocks and when those lockup periods have expired. And there's two stocks that I'm looking at now, actually, that are, well, one was very cheap and one's still very cheap. Um, but I'm starting to build positions in these because they lost favor for a long time. Like they went up a lot during their IPO. Um, and actually, these stocks, I would like to go into that because uh, these were IPOs from earlier this year. Uh, one is called Zoom Info, and it was super hot for a little while. Uh, let's see, when did it IPO? It IPOed within this year. Uh, it started off, let's see, it's 52-week high. It's $64. Um, it's 52-week low is $30. Uh, so it got as low as $30 recently, and it's at $43 right now. So it's positioned lower than halfway between its 52-week low and high. Um, I think Zoom Info is at a, a pretty decent price right now. Uh, it's a very fast-growing company. Market cap, $7.19 um, I'm looking at stats off Robinhood. Uh, and I... They, so they were expected to get about five cents. So they're, they're already profitable, which is a very good sign. Um, they haven't been profitable for four quarters public, so they don't have a PE ratio yet. But um, as far as quarter two, they were expected to make five cents. Uh, I, I like profitable companies, but um, if it's a fast growing software, I'll accept as long as it has a fast enough growth rate. Um, I'll buy stocks that are not profitable yet. But Zoom Info looks like it is profitable. Um, so it was expected to make about five cents, five and a half, five and a quarter cents, it looks like. Um, and it made seven cents uh, share earnings. So it, it did exceed a, by a little bit uh, what it was anticipated to make. Um, and I think this is something really to look into uh, to to buy into, especially because it's lost that initial fervor. Like I said, if you bought it early, you would have paid top dollar for it. You would have lost money. But now um, you're not buying it the, the cheapest. Like it's had a run up recently. Um, you could have gotten it a lot cheaper a few weeks ago or a month ago. Uh, let's look at Lemonade. Zoom Info, uh, I'd have to look in more into what they do. Uh, just I think uh, it's it's more like it compiles data and you can search. Uh, it's more I think it's more of an enterprise business tool. Uh, I can actually read the description real quick on Robinhood as to what they do. Not to be con uh, confused with Zoom. I don't know why all these companies uh, are using the word Zoom. Maybe to associate themselves with the company to help them financially. That's kind of a skeezy little trick, if that's true. But um, Zoom Info Technologies, Inc. operates as a holding company, which provides cloud-based platform 
that offers information on the organizations and professionals for sales and marketing teams. It offers sales leadership, sales development, marketing, and demand generation, sales and marketing operations and recruiting. Um, that doesn't really tell me that much. Um, but they, they, they do, I, I believe they do help uh, compile data for enterprise. And if you, you don't think you, I would get a good grasp around a company before I go investing in it. Um, I don't really have much of a position in ZoomInfo. Um, but I did want to bring that up as one of those fast-growing companies that's profitable. They meet some of my criteria. Uh, I would like to do more research before investing heavily in it. Uh, lim lemonade. I try to do a lot of research on things I buy, but um, you know sometimes I am a little caught up in, in some hype, too. Uh, lemonade. I know a lot more about this company. Uh, I actually have a lot more and I've been building up a position in this recently because of how cheap it's gotten. Um, I was actually, I bought a, a decent little bit on this initially because I thought this had a very promising business model and it's another lesson to me, <laughs> you know, to, to walk my walk, walk my talk and not invest in it too early uh, because initially I lost a little bit of money in it, but I'm kind of like canceling out that loss by investing in it now and um, I believe it'll go back up. Lemonade, uh, I mean, I could, I could describe some of this, but they're an insurance holding company which engages in the provision of home and renter's insurance services. Uh, they act as an insurance agent that offers underwriting and claim services to its subsidiary. Also provides personal facilities and services to each. And it, it, essentially, it's digitizing the insurance industry. Um, they they kind of point out a lot of the inefficiencies in insurance and how profitable a business it can be. Uh, but there's a lot of just kind of waste and a lot of money um, that's not used very efficiently in the insurance industry. And their claim is that they can use artificial intelligence uh, to, to offer insurance very cheaply and um, you know give back to some charitable causes. And also, I mean, just pretty much um, kind of move the insurance industry into the, the digital economy and compete very heavily uh, because of their use of technology with the current uh, insurance industry. And the industri insurance industry is kind of notorious for just being uh, very, very much like a good old boys club and um, kind of this traditional wine and dine, like... Uh, you know, just just so much financial waste, really, um, and greediness that they're they're kind of looking for um, to be able to cut those margins with using efficient technology, um, cutting out a lot of uh, I guess workers to where they could have a chatbot and um, give really quick quotes and make it super user friendly. And one of the things they're targeting is going to uh, is the millennial demographic and younger demographic. And uh, they're really getting a hold on the younger demographic, which will play out over time. Like as that younger demographic becomes older, they can upsell them to more expensive products and uh, also tap into the, you know, the more of the upcoming generations. But uh, they're starting right now more with like homeowners insurance, apartment insurance, things like that. Um, and they could expand into a lot of different types of insurance uh, as their business model accommodates. So it's a very interesting industry and um, one of the, the areas that really hasn't been disrupted by technology yet. And so it's kind of speculative, but um, I want to see what they can do. And uh, let's see, they have their market cap is at $2.8 right now. The insurance industry is a huge industry. so. You know, if they can really take some market share, uh, I'm sure that market cap could grow a lot. The 52-week low is $44, and their 52-week high is $96. So to put that in perspective, 52-week low is $44. They're at $49 right now. So you have to think, do you really believe in this company? If you do, then that's extremely low. Like they're near their low price. So... 
Um, apparently, a lot of people did initially because it went up to $96. But as you see, that's why you don't want to buy an IPO, is it's dropped a lot since then. So that's, that's what you have to think when I'm discussing these new IPOs and whether you want to get in or not. But um, you can pick this up for dirt cheap right now, and maybe that's all it's worth. Um, I mean, that's what the market thinks, I guess, right now. But if you think this could go way higher, they could grab a lot of share from insurance companies, um, then this is a steal right now. But unfortunately, there's not a lot, you know, when you buy these companies early, there's not a lot of data to go off on right now. So you really have to dig into their S1, which they file before they go public. Um, these direct listings, I don't think they have to have as much uh, documentation as to how profitable they are. So it could be maybe more risky to buy like a Palantir or a Asana that are doing a direct listing. They don't have to go through as much uh, vetting. Um, let's see. So then we get to... Let's go to some of the IPOs that have actually been recent. And I'll go back into market watching the IPO calendar and recently priced. Uh, we see Asana. So there's a lot of IPOs in here. There's 53 total recently priced ones. And there's only so many of them I'm actually interested in. I'm not interested in any of these drugs, speculative ones. A lot of these acquisitions you'll see, um, those are SPACs. And um, I'm not interested in any of those right now. So out of these 53 total, Asana is one I'm tracking that came out today. Palantir also came out today. Um, Asana, it says it's up. I don't think these are updated numbers, so I'll, I'll read off of Robinhood. Because um, it's saying Palantir's up, but I know they dropped today later on. Um, Bentley Systems, uh, Bentley is a company that makes a product called MicroStation that I've actually used uh, learning AutoCAD or learning computer-aided design. Um, they are similar, pro they offer similar products to Autodesk, um, which is a big company that makes AutoCAD, Revit, um, Fusion uh, 3D design, a lot of uh, prototyping kind of tools. Uh, MicroStation's used a lot. That's by Bentley Systems. I don't know all the software they make, but I am very familiar with MicroStation. I know they're used a lot in engineering and design work. Um, GoodRx, uh, that was another one I, I got into a little bit. Uh, I think they're a really good company that, especially with uh, healthcare being one of the most um, unaffordable things in the economy, GoodRx helps a lot of people uh, be able to get discounts on pharmaceuticals. Let's see. American Well. Uh, that is like a telemedicine stock. I believe it's similar to Teladoc, uh, which is a very uh, good stock that I am invested in right now uh, that just merged uh, with Lavongo Health. Um, and Teladoc shot up. Um, American Well hasn't gotten near as much attention, uh, and but they seem to be a lot more low-key than Teladoc. Like, their secret sauce seems to be, like, if Teladoc is, like, almost kind of trying maybe to replace health, traditional healthcare, American Well seems, um, seems to be offering their technology to healthcare, um, their telemedicine. So... It seems they take more the approach to to working with healthcare providers and being like they they call it like they say they're like the plumber of healthcare, uh, which is a fancy way of saying they're like behind the scenes, um, and they're not as front facing as a teledoc who interacts more with the consumer. Um, so it's kind of a different way to play that space. It seems uh, J Frog uh, that was the one I had to delve into. Actually, if you want to hear a really good breakdown on JFrog, I think it was on the um, Motley Fool podcast. They did a, a big breakdown on both JFrog and Snowflake. Uh, JFrog released the same day as Snowflake, and I did a podcast on that and how I got into that, hoping to get in cheap uh, with kind of the smoke screen because everybody's focused on Snowflake, and Snowflake 
like pretty much doubled that day when it came out, especially because it had the, the hype machine of Warren Buffett and uh, Mark Benioff from Salesforce getting into it. So I got in on JFrog because JFrog, what they do, uh, I don't think uh, in my podcast I really described well enough what they do is when it, like you used to have to sit there and like do downloads um, on new software. And it's uh, from my understanding, JFrog makes it to where your software just updates itself on a regular basis without um, any friction of you having to do that yourself. Um, it, so it sounds like JFrog is some of the technology that's used by some of the biggest companies to make it able um, for you to flawlessly have updates um, and always have the most up-to-date uh, software downloads without you having to, like you used to have to go into uh, all these windows and um, update maybe your Apple software or your Microsoft, Amazon, whatever. And it sounds like JFrog has that underlying technology that makes that a flawless system, which to me seems very valuable. And I guess we'll see how well that plays out for them, but it seems like they have very high growth. There's Snowflake, which uh, merges together different clouds, uh, whether it's Azure or Amazon Web Services or Google. And I, th I think it allows uh, all these different layers where employees uh, can access data. It, it, it seems to uh, consolidate data and let you be able to access if you have all these different cloud environments, if you have all this different vast troves of data, it searches for and finds, aggregates that data for you. And it doesn't let you tamper with the original data. And so it seems to be very valuable to companies just like uh, JFrog, you know, is with like a lot of the top Fortune 100 companies, Snowflake seems to be very popular and very valuable. Sumo Logic, don't know much about that one. Uh, that was another uh, technology that came out. Uh, Asana, was, which was that one that came out today. Um, I think they are similar to like Monday.com. It seems to be like a project management tool. Lets people like uh, collaborate and you can be able to track like what your employees are doing and when proje projects are like what status they are in, which is a fast growing area of the economy. A lot of these software are very fast growing. Unity software was one I was really excited about, um, probably mostly because I know them. Uh, I think they were associated with AR, augmented reality, which is something I'm really excited about, even though it seems very far off sometimes, except with like niche things like Pokemon Go or <laughs> Ikea furniture. But uh, Unity software, it seems from my reading that it is like one out of like two of main two of the key players uh, in this engine that allows you to build games. And uh, it seems like you can, I think they ha almost have like a template or like if you built something previously for a game, you can just pretty much copy it. And then like, you're not starting from scratch every time. I think it's uh, gaming engines or something like that. And I think the, the only big competitor to them is Epic Gaming, which is in this big battle with Apple right now, uh, with Fortnite and trying to uh, pretty much have their own store within the Apple Store, and they're suing Apple. And so they, um, Unity may benefit from some of that dispute. Who knows if, uh, if, Epic Games will lose any market share to Unity because of all this dispute. Uh, I think some of the bigger game builders, you know, design their own game engine. Uh, they don't need Unity or Epic Games. Uh, but I think Unity and Epic build a lot of software for the gaming industry to build upon. And they're more like, if you want to call it the plumbing of, of game development, 
And so they benefit from gaming as a whole moving forward. And I've actually want to move more into like, if I could invest in Epic, I would. Uh, Tencent owns some of them. So I've actually built up a little position in Tencent. But uh, Tencent and like, I think Unity are a good way to play the gaming industry without just being in like a um, Activision or EA Sports or whatever like that, which is very dependent on how successful some of their game releases are. So I'd almost rather be in the picks and shovels, per se, of gaming, which is like NVIDIA chips and a lot of the gaming semiconductors and then also the tools in which gaming is built upon, which uh, seems to be a lot of like Unity's kind of IP and Epic's IP, but Epic is not uh, public right now. Um, and that's, that's, that's most of the ones. So I wanted to go back real quick. Yala Group, uh, that was an interesting one. That was the one I invested in today. Is Yala Group is a social media that, from my understanding, is, is done by voice. And you can get in, like, voice groups. And I've actually had that idea before. It was like, what if there's like more of a like a voice Twitter that you could like get in more collaborative groups based off of interests and like where you're driving around or while you're doing things, running or whatever, you could still be involved in a group instead of having to be stuck staring at a screen. So uh, it seems like it's uh, pretty popular in certain areas of the world. And that's really one of those I just threw a few bucks in. Um, without fully understanding it, because it did, did sound like an interesting concept to me. Uh, obviously, I would want to do more due diligence. I didn't say I'm always <laughs> the most rational, but uh, I, I mean, I didn't throw much money into it. And uh, I would want to do my due diligence before I really invested in that. Uh, so let's go back to Robinhood and look up a few of those stocks and see how they've done. Snowflake. Let's see how this baby's done. So, if we go back one month. Not that old of a stock. All right. So, what do you think this 52-week low is? So, when I looked at this before it came public, it was 120, and I put in a bid for 130. Um, apparently no one got it for 120, unless you were Warren Buffett. Uh, the 52-week low, it's saying is 208. 52-week high is 319. Now, if I haven't said this before, say it now, is don't focus on the numbers. Numbers don't mean anything, really. Everybody always talks about, like, what a stock is priced at. Now, it does, I mean, the difference between 208 and 319, that's, that is significant. You know, that shows the delta between the two. But the market cap is a significant part. And the market cap for Snowflake, remember I was talking about some stocks earlier that were like $2 billion market cap? Um, well, this one's $67 billion, which is pretty damn high for a stock that just came out. Uh put things in cons in perspective what it uh let's think of a big company salesforce is a pretty large company i feel like salesforce is too big but salesforce what is their market cap um 228 billion uh so i mean think about how big salesforce is 228 billion uh, let's say Spotify. That's a pretty big company. How, how big is Spotify? Okay, this is a good perspective. Okay, Spotify. Spotify is a pretty big company. Lots of people use it. Um, I think that's a more relatable product than Salesforce unless you're in sales. $44.7 billion. That's what Spotify goes for. So this, it's taken a while for Spotify to get to that point too. Um, Spotify, their 52-week low is 109, which would make the market cap probably drop. Um, but it's taken years for Spotify to get up to a $44 billion market cap. 
and this company just came public at about $60 billion market cap. So Snowflake is a pretty big company. And so right now they are $252, $252, which is about halfway, a little, little less than halfway between where they've been in total. But I would not be surprised. I mean, the bar is set pretty high. That's the thing. They've set the bar really high. They've, they've set the bar at almost flawless delivery as far as how much profit they make. So Snowflake is known for having triple-digit uh, growth. And if they don't have triple-digit growth, or if it's less than what they thought, you better bet this stock's going to plummet. So I think the time, if you were really wanting to get into Snowflake, um, if they beat their sales numbers, now maybe this is time to get Snowflake, but I would personally get into Snowflake after their, either after their lockup period or after they have a quarter where they miss earnings um, because this stock is going to probably tank. If they, if they miss earnings and people are probably going to overreact because, um, they bought in at such a big price. So it probably will plummet if they miss earnings and they may miss earnings, you know, if, if COVID is, is any, uh, decelerator in their earnings. So Snowflake is really expensive right now. So I would just be patient. I would either wait till after a quarter where they miss earnings or, after the lockup period, you probably get a lot better deal. These things tend to fizzle out a little bit over time. It usually takes a company a long time to really like hit a large growth rate. So let's look into JFrog. JFrog is their 52-week low is $60. Their 52-week high is $90, and they're at $85 right now. So they're not far below their high. They've been pretty much... Okay, they went up dramatically. Like the day of, uh, the couple of days preceding after their IPO, they went up a lot. And then they went down. Then they proceeded to go up quite a bit and this week they've started on a downtrend so maybe they'll lose some uh lose some steam they dropped a little bit today so jfrog i think is one of those um i've got a bigger position in that than i have in snowflake because i think that was a more reasonable valuation where snowflake was like 60 times or something crazy uh its original valuation um JFrog wasn't even close to that, but still probably pricey. So I'm up 25% since I bought in JFrog pretty pretty soon after it went public. And I bought Snowflake I think pretty soon after. I'm up 14% Snowflake. I only put in $5. There was American Well. Look at that one. Their 52-week low was 22. Their 52-week high is 31. They're 29, so they're pretty close to their high. I'm up 28% with that one right now. I just don't expect to sustain that. But I don't think there was near as much hype around that one. It, it has a $6.8 billion uh, market cap, which I feel like has some growing room built in there. See, Bentley Systems. Okay, but, oh, I haven't been telling you the, the total. So, for the past three months, American Well is up 16%. So, American Well is up. Snowflake is most assuredly up, unless you bought in at the peak. Um, for the past three months, it's up 
So Snowflake isn't out much. So you haven't really done that that well if you bought Snowflake initially um, at the high price. If, if you bought in when it's private, you did really well. Uh, JFrog's up 20% since it came public. So all these are still up, you know, still still doing pretty well. See if Bentley breaks that that trend yet. Um, Bentley is up 42% for the past month. So Bentley's done pretty good, and I have not got in that yet. Um, I don't know what they're, they, they're spiked so much. It doesn't even say a market cap in Robinhood yet. Their low is uh, their low is twenty seven dollars a share, and their high is thirty five dollars a share. Um, they're kind of like midway between their low and their high, but uh, they're up pretty good. I didn't discuss this one. Corsair Gaming. They make uh, they make uh, kind of more gaming related accessories and computers. Uh, I've seen like their keyboards, their fans, their coolant. Units, uh, they make a lot of the, the hardware behind uh, diehard gamers. So a lot of gamers are familiar with Corsair. Uh, they are up 18% in the past three months. And their, so their market cap is 1.85 billion. So it seems like it has a lot of room to go. Um, especially if more people get into gaming, but they are very attached to computer gaming. So I would be looking for if there's ever a trend going away from computer gaming, um, maybe one headwind against them could be gaming, uh, cloud gaming taking off. People being able to play like all these games from their mobile, um, just their TV. I um, mean, they may not need all these accessories, but uh, if Corsair has this loyal following, um, I mean, cloud gaming would still, could still involve like computers. Uh, so, I mean, it, it may not be something that affects them, but that's something definitely to look into is if, if we move towards cloud gaming, which I believe we will, would that negatively affect Corsair? Uh, so I have a little bit of them. Let's see, Unity. So, uh, so Corsair, 52-week low is $14. 52-week high is $21. So they're right below their high. Uh, Unity, let's check on Unity software. Unity is up 18%. So all these guys are still up, but I would, there is usually like kind of extended acceleration and an increase right after IPO. And it's not till like months later that you'll really see them tank. So it's the, the few guys that can really sustain it. And I would wait till some of these guys get filtered out. And the ones I'm, I'm naming uh, are just the few that I've paid attention to. So, I mean, out of all the IPOs, there's been 50-something already this year, I think, um, or uh, recently. These are, the ones, these are the only ones I feel like are worth investing in. Uh, this one, uh, Unity, that's the, the gaming, kind of plumbing of gaming, uh, helping build games. They have a high market cap, not quite as high as Snowflake which I don't think they deserve anyway. Um, but I think they deserve uh, something good. It is $22 billion. So that's that's not small. Uh, that's still like there's a half, half of Spotify, I think. Um, so that's pretty large if that's half of Spotify. Um, they must really see some growth potential in this company. And I agree. I think they do have some growth potential. But I don't know how much that is. Um, we've just got to figure that out. And 52-week low is $65. Uh, 52-week high is 102. They're 88. So they're about split between uh, between their low and their high. Um, and that high really doesn't mean much because that's just kind of like the suckers, <laughs> how much the suckers were willing to pay, you know? Um, I would want to look over that at that high over a long period, longer period of time, like the difference between the, the low and the high. Um, good RX, they are up 65%. Wow, that's one of the better ones. Um, so it's coming public. They are rated at $12 billion market cap, 
$45, 52 week low, and $64, 52 week high. So they're not, they're about split between their low and their high. So good RX. Uh, people seem pretty excited about that so far. We'll see if it's sustained. Already has a PE ratio of 517 times earnings. Um, 517. So that's that's pretty high. So GoodRx is the company that that uh, lets you be able to get discounts on pharmaceuticals. Go back to go back to JFox. Robin Hood's let me kind of toggle between all these different Sumo Logic. See what they're up. They're down 18%. The market has not liked Sumo Logic so far. Um, so maybe that's a deal if you think they have more potential than people are seeing them at. Uh, their market cap is $2 billion. 52-week low, $21. They're right at their 52-week low, um, about $0.75 cents over. Their 52-week high is $28. So Sumo Logic has dropped since since going public. So people aren't as excited about them. That's the first one we've seen that really has, uh, has tanked since IPO. So if you'd gotten in right when that came out, you wouldn't be doing so hot. Um, Palantir, let's look up Palantir. That's the one that came out today. All right, they are they are up thirty one percent today. Oh, I don't know where. What I looked at, I was looking at Cash App, and it looked like they were down. Um, this is saying they're they're up thirty one percent today from what they immediately listed at. I think they're down from what as high as they got today. Like they went straight up and then um, went back down. Their high today was eleven dollars and forty one cents. Their low is nine dollars and eleven. They're a little bit above that. So. Uh, you know, Palantir, people are rating them so far as kind of like right at what they went public for. Uh, they're, rate, they're ranked as a, they're rated as 20, this is saying, this article from the Wall Street Journal says they're valued at $21 billion. Um, but there is a MarketWatch article on this, uh, on Palantir ticker and it says AOC asked SEC to investigate Palantir disclosures governance ahead of direct listing so um, sounds like there could be an uh, inquiry into Palantir and so if, if they get audited and anything's awry obviously that could affect um, and one of the things I think was concerning about Palantir is that they don't have a, a very diverse array of customers and I think like 30%, I could be wrong, of their business comes from like the CIA or something. So if they lost like a major contractor, obviously that would be a big hit to their business. Doesn't sound like they're incredibly profitable. Um, and then there was a sauna today, which I think was like workmonday.com, uh, more of like a project management app, I mean a uh, program. They are up 37% today. So people have liked them so far. Their high for the day was twenty nine seventy nine, which they're right at today, and their low was twenty six. So they've gone up. Um, article says Jim Cramer finds them too expensive, which he, uh, Mad Money, he he's pretty much said there's a lot of hype. What I've heard is, as far as quality analysts, it sounds like there's a lot of quality companies coming out, which is like last year. I think there was a lot of just kind of, bleh. Um, I would put Uber and Lyft into those categories. Uh, I think towards the end of a of a bull market, I think that's when you start kind of having some of the duds, like releasing, just just because things just get so extravagant, um, and valuations get ridiculous towards the end of a bull market usually. Uh, if you think back to like 1999, um, I think right now 
you had that reset with COVID. And I think it's actually pulling out some very quality companies with the exception of things like Nikola and some, some BS companies that are usually coming up in SPACs. Uh, I think there are a lot of quality companies coming up. It's just, uh, there's, there's so much anticipation. There's so few areas to put your money into too much money is going into too few things. And so it's better just to sit back on the sidelines and like let some of this, uh, frothiness go away so that you can get things for, uh, not too bad of a deal, um, or a good deal. A good deal is always the best. Um, so it sounds like a lot of these uh, investors are just saying, yeah, these are actually good companies, but they're just too expensive right now. So just be patient. Um, so Sana valued, I think, at $4 billion. And I'm trying to think if there's been any uh, of any of the other companies that I haven't looked up yet for you. But that, that's that's just some of the a recap of some of the companies that have come up recently that have been exciting. Um, I think there's a lot of new education technologies coming up. I know there was, there was one out of Brazil uh, that I was looking at today, but I, th I don't think Brazil is a really good, great place to invest right now. I think they're having a lot of issues with COVID and it could just be kind of a risky area. And unfortunately, like I, like I said, I was looking at, uh, oh, Yala Group, uh, I'll pull that up on Robin Pet real quick. I mean, it sounds like an interesting concept. This uh, this social media uh, voice voice social media, uh, but it's out of China. And anytime you're investing in China, you just have to understand that there's a lot of risk involved with that. Um, I mean, I used to I I did a podcast a while back on a lot of Chinese companies that I thought were interesting investments. Especially some of the bigger ones like Bayo's on the Shopify of China. And, um, I did one on Alibaba and Baidu and Tencent. And I'm hoping long term that it's like I would like to invest in some of those companies, but uh, there's just so much tension between us and China right now, unfortunately, that um, I'm just kind of holding off on a lot of my Chinese uh, companies. One that I do that's really cheap actually right now that I, I'm, I'm still really into is, uh, Oh man, my mind's blanking. I'll think of it as some in a second. Uh, let's, uh, Yala group is Hinduo duo. Yep. Hinduo duo is just cause the concept is so interesting to me. There's so many people in China and they found a way to have like a social media, um, e-commerce and, pretty much almost like it's like social buying and it was started with like farmers and they, you know, somebody might be selling some strawberries and you could get deals on food by like inviting your friends and just the networking effect this company had is so amazing. I think that's what Walmart is trying to go for with, uh, cause everybody's like, why the heck is Walmart trying to get in on this TikTok deal? Um, which is a whole nother podcast, uh, with Oracle and, you know, Microsoft was trying to get in on TikTok. Um, but Walmart's always been like trying to be like, oh, let us get in and so we can do e-commerce. And I think they want to get in on this kind of social media e-commerce kind of thing and, or commerce of social media and monetizing it. And Pinduoduo Duo has done like a really good job with that. That's a little side tangent, but I think they're at a really good price right now. Um, and so that and Lemonade were a couple of things I bought recently. Uh, Yala Group. Let's see. I took some ta I took some money off the table with Zoom because Zoom's just gone up so much, and too many people are piling into it. And I made a lot of money on a good bit on Zoom, so I just pulled some money out of Zoom, and reallocated to areas that I like where I, I felt there were areas where people weren't paying attention to. I took from areas that I felt people were too focused on, and I just think there's too much attention on like companies like Zoom right now, Pelotons and good companies. Uh, Yala Group and is that social media and they are down 6.7%. So um, people aren't feeling the love on some Yala Group, but uh, it's interesting to me. So I don't know. I'd like to, there's, 
there's also a cloud um, cloud company in China. And I just think that that market, like there's other people that can be in cloud besides Alibaba. So uh, there was a, a Chinese cloud company that I invested in recently, and that's just such a profitable market that, and a lot of the the cloud companies are just over. People are piled into them so much here, so like, huh, maybe maybe it's good to get in on some Chinese cloud. Um, Yala hasn't really ranged that much today. It, their low is 699 and then their high is 1099. Well, that's a big percentage. Um, and so they're hovering near their low right now. So they haven't really done too much today. But I'll keep an eye on them. That's probably one you won't hear about that much, so you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> probably not a lot of people talking about Yala Group. Kicker, Y-A-L-A. Um, I know this was kind of a long and rambly podcast, but uh, I hope you enjoyed this. And, you know, I just wanted to do a big recap because I think IPOs are really interesting. And I wanted to kind of, you know, me doing this podcast more frequently, uh, I feel like it lets me give more of a recap and more news aspect and you know, be more relevant than when I was doing it more infrequently. So uh, let me know if you guys like this and uh, what you want more of, and I'll try to give it to you. Thank you. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it and uh, you know send your send it to your mates on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on any platforms you use, and uh, just get the word out. Um, I I'm trying to entertain you guys and really give you some good content to make um, hopefully some smart financial decisions or uh, just be entertained and learn something. So uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, I look forward to the next podcast episode.